0: Welcome to the Simple Church Podcast, where we're committed to helping you know God, find freedom, discover your purpose, and make a difference. Let's get to today's message. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Simple Church. My name is Aaron. I'm the lead pastor here. I want to thank you so much for being with us today. I also want to take a moment uh, to greet all those of you that are checking in online this morning. Thanks for being with us. Come on, guys. Can we greet one another and let each other know, hey, we're glad you're here today? Yeah. We're glad to be in the house of the Lord, and I am glad to be with you guys today. Uh, It is a super cool day. We are starting a brand new series, but before I get into that and what we're talking about, I want to share a couple things with you. Uh, First is we've got some events and some stuff coming up that you're not going to want to miss. First next Sunday, we have uh, baptism. If you haven't been baptized yet... Mark a connection card, which are found in the seat back in front of you. Also, if you're a first-time guest with us, or maybe you've been hanging out for a while and you haven't identified yourself yet, you can use that Connect card, fill it out, and drop off a completed card at the Connect Center after service today. I've got a gift I'd love to give you, and I'd love to meet you and shake your hand as well. We'd love to, to welcome you to our family and be part of your spiritual journey. But you can also mark on there, hey, I'd like to, to get baptized as well. And next Sunday, we'll we'll be uh, doing some baptisms right here in the tank. Also, next Sunday starts uh, step one of the growth track. So if you You've been hanging out with us for some time and you want to know really what is our church all about what is what does membership look like uh what what why am i here on this earth what has god made me for growth track track answers all those questions and they're held directly after service they start, step one starts on the first Sunday of the month, and so uh, it happens right over here in our little makeshift uh, conference room after service. So we'd love to have you join us. Today is step four, so if you've been on that journey, uh, they're wrapping up the, the four steps of the growth track. But wanna invite you to make a plan to join us next Sunday if you haven't yet. Step one is a, is a great time to jump in. Also, uh, May's a busy month for us. Uh, May we have Mother's Day, and so I wanna encourage you. That, uh, that you may have other options as to where to go to church on Sunday with your mom, but uh, if you come here on Sunday, all the moms get a treat. Uh, for the last nine years, we have given every mom a plate of chocolate-covered strawberries. Anybody like chocolate? Anybody like strawberries? Put your hands together. Anybody like that? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So uh, we have all those, but we also are going to be giving away a spa package day to one lucky mom. Yes, you must be present to win, and so if you have a choice as to where to take your mom for for Mother's Day service, come here. Come here. She may win big at uh, a Kenneth's Salon uh, spa package, right? Yeah, it's a nice nice deal. So uh, we'll be doing that. That is May 8th is Mother's Day, and then I'm super excited on May 22nd, uh, we are turning nine years old, Simple Church. It'll be our birthday, yeah. (laughs) And so every year uh, in the past, we've done our birthday shindig. <laughs> when the pandemic hit, we tried to do that online. That was not so much fun uh, because we, we saw all of you on Zoom screens, and uh, that was 2020, 2021. Uh, we, did, we, we didn't even have a party. We just gave you treats as you walked out the door, but we're back. We've got our own building, and um, it'll be May 22nd, 6 p.m. So to be in the evening, it'll be here, and uh, we, we, there'll be some cake. Uh, there'll be a cake contest, decorating contest. How many cake makers do we have out there? Any cake makers? I love you people. All right, cake makers. So there'll be a cake contest with big prizes for the cake contest, uh, and then uh, we'll have some fun and some games. There might be cake, and then we've got a show, uh, but we've got a, a, an entertainer that's going to be here. I'm not tipping who that is and what that is yet. You just got to be here to find out. It'll be family-friendly. friendly And did I mention there's cake? So there'll be some cake here, all right? So so come and join us. Make a plan. It's uh, May 22nd, 6 to about 7 o'clock, and uh, it'll just be a fun time. Come celebrate with us as we turn nine and uh, and plan to be there. Also, uh, Child Dedications is the last Sunday in May. That's May 29th. So if you want to get your kids signed up for that, make sure you go on the Church Center app or stop by the Connect Center, and they can help you with that. (sighs) That's all the announcements I've got. There you go. Now you are hooked in to what's going on. excuse me what's going on today we are starting a new series called baited and this series is talking about one of the enemy's most deadly and deceptive traps uh, it imprisons countless christians it severs relationships and i believe that it widens the existing breaches between every single one of us it is the trap of offense And I think that because many people today are living their lives completely offended at every turn, it is limiting their potential and for them to be able to function properly in their calling. And so I think it's time we learn how to avoid the trap and learn to stop being baited. Amen, everyone? Now, this is kind of a heavy message. And so I decided that uh, that that I'll share my hope and prayer with you. And it's, it's, it's simply that your life is transformed. And we're going to talk about this over the next six weeks. But because it's a heavy message today, I'm going to start off with a dad joke because there's not much funny in this message today. <laughs> Been reading a true crime book. Anybody like true crime? I like adult, true crime documentaries or maybe maybe those specials on, on, on the different news channels and whatever. The, those true, true crime stuff is great. I, I like true crime books. I'm currently reading one. But I'm, I'm reading it all in braille, so I'm, I'm, you know I'm, I'm having to read it without sight. And there's something really intense coming up. I can feel it. If that offends your sense of humor, boy, do I have a series for you? Because we're talking about offense today, all right? so So today my goal is to talk about what is offense. It's to talk about the deceptive progression that offense will take you on and how to guard your heart instead of isolate it. So let's start off with the disciples. Jesus had 12 disciples that followed him around. Jesus walked this earth for 30 years, he started his earthly ministry about the age of 30 and and did was, was preaching and going around doing good for three years. And during those three years, he had 12 guys that followed him really close and then there were some, some women and then a larger crowd of people that followed him. But he had these 12 guys that were his close guys, the ones that he was training up and raising up uh, to carry on the mission after he left. And while they were with him, they saw some crazy stuff. If you've read the story of Jesus, you know that the, the first miracle he ever did was he turned water into wine. They saw deaf people, get their hearing back. They saw blinded eyes open. They saw Jesus walk on water, and moments later, they saw Peter walking on the water, right? They saw uh, storms that, by the way, these were seasoned fishermen. They were used to the waves and the water being rough, but they saw storms that made even them, professional fishermen, nervous, calmed with just a word. They saw miracles they saw lame people who had never walked in their entire lives pick up their mats and walk they saw lepers made whole now the reason that's a big deal is because leprosy is a disease of the skin and it eats away and what happens is your extremities your digits it tends to affect them and your digits begin to fall off so you can lose your fingers lose your nose and your ears those extremities. And the Bible says that the lepers were not just healed, which means the leprosy was gone, but that they were made whole, which means noses and ears and stuff were growing back. That's crazy. They saw all kinds of miracles. They saw demons exorcised from people. They saw the dead come back to life. They saw Jesus predict what would happen in the future. Like, hey, I need a donkey. Go into town. You'll find one tied up and take it. If anybody says anything, just tell them it's for the Lord okay, that makes sense. So the disciples go into town, they find the donkey, just like Jesus said, they untie it, somebody stops them, just like Jesus said, and they're like, it's for the Lord. And they're like, oh yeah, I sure have it, just like Jesus said. That happened multiple times in multiple different ways. They saw some crazy stuff. In fact, Jesus sends out the 12 in pairs and says, hey, go tell, tell everybody that the, that the kingdom of God's at hand. Do miracles, cast out devils, do good stuff. And they go out and they do it and they come back celebrating that people were healed and that they cast out demons and, and they had no doubts about doing that. But what shook their faith, what caused the disciples to say, hey, we're going to need some help, was this verse that happens in Luke 17, verse 3. Jesus said, if your brother sins against you, how I many of you guys have had a brother sin against you before? And that, that brother, by the way, means another, another Christian, right? That's a terminology for somebody in the faith. If your brother sins against you seven times in a day and seven times in a day returns to you saying, I repent, you shall forgive him. And this is where the the disciples need some help. They said, Lord, increase our faith. Now, when Jesus sent them out to do miracles, they didn't doubt that they could do the miracles. I would have had a, a question about that. Like, are you sure you want me to go? Like, are you sure? Like, when I go out and I lay hands on people, They're going to get healed? Yeah, yeah, just go. I would have been like, tell me, what what is the process? What's the system? How does it actually work, Jesus? Right? Like, I would have been all kind of concerned, but the disciples weren't. They went out and did it. And Jesus, when he tells them that they must forgive, oh, whoa, increase our faith. Increase our faith. Now, in our day today, I think these words are, if not as important, more important than ever before because... Jesus when He was describing what the, the end of days would look like, the last days for us here on this earth. before, before Jesus comes back, kicks the devil in devil's butt for, for good, and finally like just kicks him out of this earth, throws him into the pit, full punishment. woo. Before that day, these last days, He gives a description of them. he doesn't tell us when, doesn't give us the date and time, but he tells us these will be the signs. Hey, when you see this stuff happening, This is how you know it's the end of times. And one of those signs would be offense. Check it out, Matthew 24, 10. He says, and then many. Now that word many, if you break it down, means mostly or the majority. So that means we're talking about 51% or more, okay? That's the majority. So most of the people, or the majority of the people will be offended. They will betray one another, and they'll hate one another. So there's a progression here, right? An offended person, someone who, is, who has been hurt, they will eventually betray, and betrayal undealt with will lead to hatred. That's the process that Jesus said would happen. How do we know that to be true? Well, I'm glad you asked. Proverbs 18, 19, Solomon talking about offense. He said, a brother offended is harder to win than a strong city. Now Solomon wrote this in a time where cities were surrounded by walls, and the walls that were, that were put up were intended to protect the people that they wanted to come in, right? So it was for, if you want to come in, we want, we want you here, and we want to protect you. And then it was to keep out those that they didn't want in. It was They were surrounded by these walls. And Solomon, using that as an illustration, said, when a fence comes, we all build walls. And when we build up these walls, we become harder to win than a strong city. Now, the Bible, when it talks about walls, it doesn't use the word walls. It uses the word strongholds. That's what it talks about. In fact, Paul said this in 2 Corinthians 10. He said, for though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare, which by the way, pause, we're in the middle of a war. You need to know that. We're we're in the middle of a spiritual war. You said, yeah, I know what's going on in Ukraine and Russia. No, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about there's a spiritual war that is waging. There's an enemy whose job is to steal, kill, and destroy, and that's his work in your life. He is fighting against you, trying to destroy you because you are the righteous seed in this world, because you belong to God. He wants to keep you from knowing him. And so he says, our weapons uh, for our warfare aren't carnal, they're not of the flesh, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds. There's those walls. And casting down arguments, which is imaginations or reasonings. It's, It's thought processes, right? And every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. This is, in other words, he's describing the world's way of doing things. When the world comes along and says, this is how we're going to do stuff, this is the stuff that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, against God's ways. He said, we're bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. So what strongholds are? Strongholds are set patterns of reasoning through which we process information becomes a mindset that we adopt. Why is that a problem? Well, because as Christians, we're commanded to love one another. We're commanded to be in a relationship with one another, to have a godly kind of love that focuses on giving, because that's the kind of love we received, right? According to John 3, 16, it said, God so loved the world that he gave. Yeah, he gave. That's the kind of love that God gives us. It is a giving kind of love, and we're supposed to be focused on giving that same kind of love. But when we are offended, when we are upset with someone, we are holding unforgiveness towards someone, we build a reasoning process, or we build strongholds in our minds to protect us. Our thought patterns begin to change. Well, I'll never go there again. I'll never get close to them. I'll never let give them permission to do that in my life again, right? We start building walls, and we're building walls to keep people out so we're protected. We're no longer focused on giving, and we're now focused solely on protecting ourself. And this is a work that happens deep within our souls. And when this happens, we become a candidate for betrayal. So we go from offense to betrayal. Now, we, when we think about betrayal, I'm not certain we fully understand what betrayal is, we think of betrayal, we think of Judas, we think of Benedict Arnold, George Lucas, just to name a few. Oh, <laughs> did I hit the right, I hit the right audience there, it's good. <laughs> betrayal, here's what it really is. Betrayal is when I seek my benefit or protection at the expense of one I'm in relationship with. That's what betrayal is. In other words, that, that you used to be in a different kind of relationship with someone, But now you are denying the benefit or protection at at the, you seeking your benefit or protection at the expense of one you're in relationship. So when focus is on protection, we're keeping our walls up. We've got these strongholds. Betrayal is on the horizon. And it's the ultimate abandonment of that relationship. And in betrayal, when we betray someone, what happens is our love for God grows cold. Why? Well, because we're not giving out that love that we're receiving anymore. Perfect illustration of this is is that there are two seas in Israel. The Sea of Galilee is fed by waters from the north, and it fills up the sea. And in the south, it becomes the Jordan River, and it flows down into another sea. Now, in the Sea of Galilee, there's plenty of life. Why? Because it's receiving waters, and it's giving of waters. There's movement. There's life that can grow there. There's There's all kinds of of animals. There's all kinds of vegetation. But that same water that's in the Sea of Galilee flows down the Jordan and then pours into the Dead Sea, which, spoiler alert, everything that goes into the Dead Sea just dies. Nothing can live there. Fish can't live there. Vegetation can't live there. Everything dies. Why? Because water pours into it, but it does not move out. It just simply collects there. It won't give out. It only takes in, and nothing can live in it. So an offended person, especially an offended Christian, has God's love flowing into their lives. Unfortunately, though, because they're offended, they've built up some walls. They're protecting themselves. They're not giving out anything that's coming in. They're focused only on themselves and their love, that godly love that they should have for God and for others. It grows cold, and they become a candidate for betrayal and an ultimate abandonment of the relationship. And you have to be careful, because you wind up in a state of betrayal. You wind up in this state where I'm just gonna keep everybody out. Betrayal, not dealt with, can lead to ha- hatred. This is what Jesus said. And again, I don't, I'm not certain we understand these terms correctly, so let me properly help you understand what the Bible means when it talks about hatred, because I think when we talk about hatred, it's like extreme violence or aggression towards someone, Right? But that's not what hatred is. You can have hatred for someone and not have any emotions attached to it. In fact, John, Jesus' closest friend, said this in 1 John 3, verse 15. He said, whoever hates his brother, which, by the way, again, connotes Christians, whoever hates his fellow Christ follower is a murderer, and you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. Now, that word "hates" is the Greek word missio, and that word missio means to love less or void of love. That's what it means. So when a person hates, it doesn't necessarily mean that they're angry. It just means that there's no love left for that person, right? They're just in a state. I could just care less. Now back to Matthew 24, he says, then many will be offended. That's the majority of people will be offended. They'll betray one another and... They'll hate one another. And the next verse says, after this massive offense comes, after the majority of believers are in a state of offense here in these last days, he said, then many false prophets will rise up and deceive many. So, so once there's this massive offense and people are, are in a state of betrayal, they're in a state of hatred, then these false prophets will creep in. And of those that are offended, these false prophets will lead them astray. That's what it means. It's saying, hey, there's a process that's going to happen here. And when you get into a place where you are lacking love for one another, you are the one who's going to be easily offended, which means that an offended heart is the breeding ground of deception. That if you walk around offended, you are easier to fool by the enemy. That's the point. And in Matthew 7, just just a few verses before this one Jesus talking about these false prophets, he actually calls them wolves in sheep's clothing, right? And a wolf in sheep's clothing, what they do is they they come in among the pack. They dress like the sheep, they smell like the sheep, they look like the sheep, right? Feels like a sheep, but it's a wolf. And their whole point is to be in that pack and they're looking for the sheep that are offended or the sheep that are hurt. They're looking to isolate them, which by the way, That's what offense does. As we protect ourselves and push people away, we wind up isolated and we wind up being the target of the enemy. Now, notice this, that he says, wolves in sheep's clothing, not wolves in in shepherd's clothing. That oftentimes people are ready to look for a wolf in the pulpit, but they don't look for the wolf in the pews. But that's not what this verse says. It doesn't say that it's always here. I'm not saying it can't be here in the pulpit. What I'm saying is that more often than not, the person that's going to lead you astray is possibly sitting right next to you. That's what, that's what the Bible says. Proverbs 18.1 says, A man who isolates himself seeks his own desire, and he rages against all wise judgment. He, the fact of the matter is, is it doesn't matter that you go to church on Sunday mornings. Many of you come in here completely isolated from other people. I'm just going to wait on somebody to talk to me. And if they don't talk to you after service, never going back to that church. Nobody talked to me there. I can't believe them. None of the pastor team, none of the people. I mean, they waved high at me, but you know, nobody talked to me. But you're over standing in a corner looking prickly. Well, no wonder nobody wants to talk to you. Smile. Say hello. Strike up a conversation with somebody at the Connect Center. You say, I've been coming here for two years and I don't know anybody. Well, whose fault is that? Mine, yeah, it's obviously mine. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks, Kyle. (laughs) Mind your own business. (laughs) But it doesn't matter that you come to church. You come in here with with a thought process, and your wall's up, and your barrier's up just to keep people out. You stay distanced, and you stay isolated, and you're offended, and you're an easy target for the enemy, unfortunately. Back to Matthew 24, Jesus continues, he says, again, talking about the end times, and because lawlessness, which is just a bunch of people who aren't submitted to God's word in thought and deed, that's lawlessness, they just refuse to, to be submitted in thought and deed to God's ways, lawlessness will abound. And again, he's referring to the thought process of offense. This is where he's continuing. He's talking about the walls that we build, the strongholds we, we build to protect ourselves, and he's saying contrary to God's word, again, it, because there's a whole bunch of one another's in scriptures that because you've got walls up, you won't do. You won't be in that relationship. You won't have that close proximity with them because you've got your barriers up. And those walls end up tormenting us instead of protecting us because we're by ourselves. And Jesus said lawlessness was gonna abound. He said lots, lots of it in the last days. And I think it's true today. We're offended over everything, aren't we? We're offended easily. We're looking for opportunities. Every time we get onto Facebook, we're looking for an opportunity to be offended by somebody. We're looking for opportunities to be offended on Instagram. We're looking for somebody's political views to offend us. (laughs) What matters to people offends us. If I say black lives matter, which I did, which by the way, I was very clear, I'm not talking about the organization. I'm saying that our black brothers' and sisters' lives, they're precious and they matter. You're offended. If I were to stand up here and say that all lives matter, you're offended. If I say blue lives matter, you're offended. We're offended today. We walk around looking for opportunities. Pronouns offend us today. Something as simple as that, food types, offend us listen i'm a carnivore i like meat and i like to eat the food that the vegans like i like that my carnivores eat the food that the vegans and the vegetarians like to eat right i like that trust me i'm i'm down for cows like i support them I'm telling you the truth. Like, I don't hate them at all. In fact, I took my team back in October on our staff retreat. We went and did uh, bovine therapy. What that means is we hung out with cows. I pet pet the cows. I walked a cow. I milked a cow. I laid on the ground with a cow and cuddled a cow. It was good times. But you better believe that when it comes dinner time, Bessie better be on my plate because I am not enamored with that cow. If you're offended, welcome to today's message. (laughs) Lawlessness abounds. And as we embrace the thought processes of offense, we build strongholds. And and Solomon said that big cities are easier to conquer, to win, than somebody who's offended. Get offended, where I'll remove myself from their lives, I'll group up, I won't associate with them, I'll betray you. And everyone that doesn't align with me, I'll choose to not care for them. In fact, I wouldn't pee on them if they were on fire, which, by the way, is a terrible thing to do to somebody, but also could be a, a helpful thing to do if it was the only thing to do. <laughs> and you're like, I won't do that for them. Think about it. It's like, what? How did we get here? I'm offended. <laughs> Hatred, right? Here we go, verse 12, back to Matthew 24. And he said, and because lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow cold. But he who endures to the end shall be saved. Now, I know he's talking about Christians because of two things. First of all, that word love there is the word agape love. There there are two Greek words that are used for love that when the translators translate them, it just looks like love to us. But there's the word phileo which means a brotherly kind of love. It's I love you, you love me, we're a happy family with a great big hug and a kiss from me to you. Won't you say you love me too, right? It's, that's filet of love. <laughs> just, just doing Barney here, that was it. But, but agape love is a godly kind of love. It's an unconditional kind of love. It's a love that loves no matter what. And that's the, that's the word that's used here. Your agape love, your unconditional love that you had for others, it'll grow cold. That, that that kind of love you receive from God, it's done. And then he also says that, that those who endure to the end shall be saved. Now, we know that it's not endurance that leads us to salvation, right? We, we know that it's the grace of God only that we are saved. So it's not about in, that if you endure till the end, it's that when you're saved and you endure, that, that, that that's how you know you'll, you'll be in heaven. So you're, so you're saved by Christ. So So those two things, because... He's talking about a godly kind of love that will grow cold. And because he's talking about those who are going to endure, I, I believe it's the Christians that he's saying, there's going to be a lot of them that are offended. There's going to be a lot that are led astray. So just for review, Jesus said in the end days that massive offenses are going to come. And that these offenses, were, are by the way, are mostly going to come from your close relationships, people that are, are close to you. It'll lead to betrayals. And you're going to protect yourself at all, costs, at, the, at all costs of the relationship, actually. that hatred is next that you'll have no love left, deception will result due to the lawlessness of the thoughts contrary to God, and that the love of many will grow cold. Now, when he talks about this growing cold thing, he's, he's basically talking about how a frog is in a, in a kettle. Anybody ever heard this, but it's, it's kind of in reverse, that if you put a frog into boiling water, it'll jump out because it recognizes it's too hot for him. But if you put a, a frog into cold water and turn the heat up slowly, the frog will stay in there until it's cooked alive, Right? And that's the metaphor here, is that when you become offended, you go through this process of offense, to betrayal, to hatred, wind up deceived, participating in lawlessness, and your love of God growing cold. He said, this process that you'll walk through, you won't even realize that you've gone through it. You won't even realize that it's happening to you. That's the tricky part of it is that the love of many will grow cold and you won't recognize its effects. This is what happened to me. That's my story, you know that? that that's why I walked away from, from, from my church. That's why I walked away from God, was because I was offended. I got offended by, some, by something one of my pastors did. I took the bait, in other words. I took the bait and it led to betrayal. Man, I, I removed myself from my church. I removed myself from deep, relationships with people that I had in that church. I removed myself from the ministry that I was taking part of and the four teams, just like that. Nope, I'm done, dropped them. And the teenagers that I served and walked with, that I invested in the entire time I was there in the youth ministry, I dropped them like a bad habit. It was, it, it was hurtful for me, and I know it was hurtful for them. I know it was. What was next was hatred that rose up in my heart. I became bitter and very vocal about that bitterness. Trashing the church, not just that church, but every church, every church, and I spewed hate their way. I didn't recognize the process. I didn't understand what was happening to me or or how I got there and what it was doing to me, but offense had me trapped for seven years. Which, by the way, is why I'm so passionate about this very subject. That's why I think forgiveness is something we all need to learn and be so good at it. So what do we do? What do we do? We have to recognize that the, that most, that the source of most offenses, that most of them are gonna come from the people that are closest to us. I think that's a good start is recognizing where it comes from, right? that the people closest to you are where where you're gonna get hurt the worst. David said this in Psalms 55, verse 12. He said, it's not an enemy who taunts me. I could bear that. It's not my foes who so arrogantly insult me. I could have hidden from them. Instead, it is you, my equal, my companion and close friend. What good fellowship we once enjoyed as we walked together to the house of God. It wasn't his enemy that hurt him. It was somebody he knew. Somebody close to him. And the closer the relationship, the greater the potential for offense. You're taking notes. That's an important one to know. The closer the relationship, the greater the potential for the offense. Why? Well, because your expectations are higher. Think about this. You don't expect a non-believer to to treat you well or to to do anything kind for you. So when they do, they exceed your expectations, and you're like, yay. But when when a Christian fails you, or offends you and harms you in some way, whether intentionally or unintentionally, your expectation for their behavior is up here, and they behave down here, and the distance between what you expected and what reality is, is the level of your frustration. So other Christians, you're like offended this much. But when it comes to pastors, oh my goodness, you expect pastors to to be perfect and behave up here, and when they behave down here, you're really angry about that, right? What about your spouse? Man, when it comes to your spouse, people closest to you, People could uh, be uh, act offensively all day long to me, but I come home, and my wife, she'd do the same thing to me. I would lose my ever-loving mind. As I was studying this out, I was like, babe, this can't be true. Is this true? And she was like, oh yeah, you're super offended when I do the same thing other people do to you. When they offend you or do something, you're like, well, we're just out here trusting Jesus, bless the Lord. She said, and I do it, and you're just like, rah! You know, it's just like, <laughs> what, what is the difference? My expectations, that's the difference, right? I have an expectation. So because it's all about our expectations or that gap between our expectations and reality with Christians and others and our pastors and our spouses and all the other people close to us, what do we do? Well, we could stop offenses from coming, except that Jesus said in Luke 17:1, it's impossible that no offenses should come. And Jesus is saying it. That's, that's our Lord right there. That's, that's the Son of God. That means that it's impossible. Offenses are going to come. So since we can't stop offenses from coming, what do we do? Well, it means we can manage our expectations. It means that we can can shift those expectations. If you're alive, offenses are coming. It's what you do with those offenses that determine your future. Around here, we have a leadership principle that we've adopted. It's called E plus R equals O. Has anybody ever heard of this before? Yeah, all right. So E is the event. Pay attention to the math. It's the event. That's the offense, right? E plus R, which is our response equals the outcome. It's simple. That the offenses are gonna come, how you respond to it will determine the outcome. So, so since you can't keep offenses from coming, you can manage your response to that offense when it shows up, and it'll change the outcome entirely. In fact, the, the, the word that's used there in that verse for offense is the Greek word scandalon. It means the trigger of the trap. It's the, it's the part of the trap where the, the bait actually sits. Can I see that there, babe? Oh, oh, dear Lord, lights in my eyes and everything. <laughs> Anybody recognize this? Yeah. It's a mouse trap, right? In Scandalon, the trigger of the trap on which the bait is placed and when touched by the animal, that's that thing right there, springs and causes it to close and entrap them and hopefully not just entrap them, but, but kill them, right? Okay, so there you go. So the trap is set. And if I were to touch that little guy, which I'm not going to do, it triggers the trap. Actually, I will. Oh, Oh, goodness. Just kidding. Gotcha. You really? It's just really? You're worried for me. Offense. Offense is like that trap. It's bait. And it's the bait that Satan uses to pull us into captivity and ultimately to cause death in our lives. Not Now, it's not a physical death, it's, it's death of opportunities, it's death of relationships, it's death of attitude, it's, 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 the, it's what the enemy comes to do, to kill, steal, and destroy, right? Death and ruin for those who are offended. Another definition of offense is this, it's a scandalon. It's scandalon denotes, always denotes an enticement to conduct, so the way that we behave, which could ruin the person in question. Hebrews 12, 25 talks about it this way, He says, look after each other so that none of you fails to receive the grace of God. What's the grace of God? It's forgiveness. It's the stuff we don't deserve. So so make sure that, that, that none of you fails to receive forgiveness and watch out that no poisonous root of bitterness, of offense, of unforgiveness. Make sure that there's no root of that anywhere inside you because it grows up to trouble you. Watch this, corrupting, not just you, This isn't about you. When you allow offense to reside in your heart, it not only corrupts you, but it corrupts many. Oh, there's an impact to your offense. Bitterness. It's a resentful spirit. It sure sounds like the end result of offense to me. And it's dangerous. And most people just don't know that they're offended in the first place. 1st I'm telling you, I didn't know I was offended. And yet I had taken the bait and... For all of us, I'm sure at some point in time you've taken the bait too. But Paul says this in Second Timothy 2. He says, "The servant of the Lord must not quarrel, but be gentle to all, able to teach patient and humility, correcting those who are in opposition." In other words, somebody you're offended with, if God perhaps will grant them repentance so that they may know the truth and watch this, and they will come to their senses and escape the snare of the devil, having been taken captive by him to do His will." See, for those of you that have taken the bait of offense, the Bible says that that turns into bitterness within you, and it's impacting, it's having a huge difference on the people around you. It's a negative one, by the way. It's not a good one. And the enemy is using your life now to corrupt the lives of those around you. He's using your life. And Paul's saying, hey, let's make sure that they receive God's grace. Let's make sure. Let's make sure. Because that, perhaps... Perhaps we'll win them back. Perhaps God will grant them repentance so that they may know the truth and come to their senses and escape. So you can go to church. You can serve on a team. You can go to a grow group. You may be even leading that grow group. You may be on my pastoral team here at my church or another church, and you can still be offended and trapped and captive by Satan. Instead of releasing rivers of living water, what you're doing is you're releasing waters Of bitterness, and this is the enemy's end game, guys. This is his goal as we wrap up this last bit of time we have on this earth. His end game is to get you offended. Because if he can get you offended, if he can get you bitter and angry, he can get you to betray the proper relationships. He can make your love, that agape love that you would have for one another, grow cold. And he'll destroy God's church from within it. That's his goal. So we have to be wise to the enemy's methods. We have to be wise and aware that there is a bait that he's putting out there, and it's offense. And we have to choose to live a life unoffended. You know, for me, my story is as it began to change and shift to where I found healing and wholeness. It started with one thing, forgiveness. And I know that's that's that that's a really strong word for a lot of us. Because we push back on it, like, ah, Aaron, you don't understand to forgive forgiving somebody, they don't deserve it. You're right. What they did wasn't okay to me. You're right. Forgiveness is not about those things, because we don't deserve forgiveness. If we're about getting what we deserve, well, we deserve judgment. We deserve punishment. We deserve hell. We don't deserve to live a full and fulfilled life because of our sins. And yet, we are recipients of God's grace. We are recipients of his love, his forgiveness. He gives it to us unconditionally. And he calls us to give it to others unconditionally as well. For some of us, we've got some deep wounds and some deep hurts. And I don't think that forgiveness is just a moment. Sometimes I think it's a journey. But my call today is to do what I did. Get on a journey. I began with a prayer in that time because I had so many offenses I was holding. And I began on a journey of God help me. I want to forgive, but I can't. And I need your help. And that's where I started. And some of you, that's, That needs to be your prayer today. Others of you, you're ready. You're there, and you you need to make the choice. It's time to forgive. One of the hallmarks of knowing that you're able to forgive somebody is whether or not you're able to pray blessings over their life. That's tough. That's true. It's awful quiet in here. Nobody (laughs) ain't shouting me down and amening me today. That's all right. I know we're touching on on a sore spot. The thing is, is, When my hatred encountered the love of God, everything changed. And you can encounter that love, too. You you can have that. My heart began to soften week by week, and I found freedom. And maybe that's your story here today. Maybe you walked into this church angry, bitter, offended. Maybe I've done something that offended you. Maybe, Maybe one of our greeters or somebody did something to offend you already this morning. Maybe your spouse did something to offend you. I'm not sure. But you've walked in today carrying either a heavy offense or even a light offense. An offense is an offense is an offense. Like, big or small, let it go. Let it go. Choose to forgive. I'm not trying to oversimplify it. I'm just trying to tell you that God's ways are better. Amen? Amen. They are better. It's time to forgive all those who have offended you. And that's my prayer for you. That's my hope for you. Is that you will learn to live a life being unoffendable. The choice is yours, and the invitation is always here for all Jesus has for you. So let's pray. Father, I've done what you asked me to do. I've shared this message. I've I've done my best to to show them what you said, and Holy Spirit, I ask you now to do the work that you do. This is an invitation, and I know today that many people are going to accept it. My prayer is is that you reveal in people's hearts that there's offense deep within them. I know I didn't know I was offended until I started hearing your word preached. And I know that that I can be offended and that for me, all I need to do is ask you, who do I need to forgive? Because offense is that way. You get angry at somebody and I just remove them from my life. I stop thinking about them. I stop texting them. I stop calling them. They kind of just lift right out. You're faithful to reveal to me who I need to forgive. And I pray today, you would reveal to us that we're carrying offense. Show us the faces and the names of those that we need to forgive. God, for some of us, we're beginning a journey today of realizing we need to, and it's hard. Some of us carry heavy hurts and heavy traumas related to those offenses. Some of them were physical physical offenses, some of them were sexual offenses, some of them are emotional offenses, and this is hard work. But I'm praying for your grace. I'm praying for your grace to surround each one of us. Lord, so that we forgive our brothers and sisters. We forgive our ex-wives and our ex-husbands. We forgive our parents, whether they deserve it or not. We forgive our friends. We forgive those pastors. We forgive those fellow Christ followers, whoever they may be. God, may we choose to begin a journey of forgiveness. Grant us your grace, soften our hearts. Help us to do this work. And as we do, as we surrender to your best, as we surrender to this pathway, God, I pray that you would bless us. May we begin to sense and feel the freedom. May our hearts be free to live out our callings to live out our relationships, to live out the life you have for us like we never have before. Father, as we taste that freedom, may we choose every day to live unoffendable. And Lord, I, I pray for each one of us carrying that offense. Today would be the day that we choose to start that journey or to lay it down completely. As we continue to pray, if you're in this room, the number one way to give somebody forgiveness is to receive it yourself. Maybe you're here in this room, you've never done that before. You've never entered into a relationship with, with Jesus and your Heavenly Father, you've just, you've just never done it. But our way to doing that, because our relationship with God is strained because of our sin, there's a gap between us because He's holy and right and we are imperfect and sinful, it's through Jesus. We just need to accept the work that he did, that he went to the cross and died, gave his life. He was dead for three days and rose from the grave. And that same spirit, that same power that raised him from the dead is available to you, to dwell inside you, to help you live your life for Jesus. So today, if you're here, and you're like, Aaron, I need to pray that prayer. I need to to receive that forgiveness. I want that do-over. Aaron, does that mean I have to be perfect? No. What it means is that you're going to be a work in progress. It means you're going to be just like all of us. So if you're ready to pray that prayer today, to to invite Jesus to be Lord of your life, that means he's in charge. If you're ready to receive forgiveness and grace, get a do-over. Pray this prayer with me. All those of you that are here in this room, you can do that. Those who are watching online, join us too. But everybody in this room, pray out loud so that nobody's praying alone. Say, Jesus, I need you. Come into my life. Be Lord of my life. Forgive me of my sins. Fill me with your spirit. And show me how to live for you. And to tell others about you. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Man, the Bible says that heaven's having a party over every single person that said that prayer today. Come on, Simple Church, can we celebrate with those that said yes to Jesus today? And for those of you that are are choosing to begin this journey of offense, don't do it alone. I challenge you today that our pastoral team will be here. We would love to pray with you. We would love to believe that God would do this miracle in your life. This is serious business. This is, this is a, a big issue. And so we're available for you today. We would love to pray with you. Don't walk out of here without talking to somebody. Maybe you're with your spouse today and you want to share with them, I, I'm making a commitment. I'm going to walk out this forgiveness thing and make a commitment to be here the next five weeks because we're really going to explore this subject of how the enemy is getting into our lives and he's baiting us. Amen, everybody? All right, well, as we wrap up our service, we're going to continue in a little bit of worship, and that's our opportunity to give. We get to give. Amen, everybody? That's part of our relationship with God. He gives us so much that we willingly give to him and return to him our tithes and our offerings. And so the ways to do that are here on the screen. You're under no obligation to give if you're a guest with us here today, but, but you can give the digital ways, or there's a gift box or a give box in the back of the room. You can use the offering envelopes in the seat back in front of you. And we thank you for your generosity and continuing to give. want to remind you next Sunday is baptisms and Growth Track Step 1. We'd love for you to be part of those things. Uh, but let me uh, bless this offering. I'll be over at the Connect Center. I would love to connect with you. Our, our pastoral team would be here to pray with you. So Lord, thank you for the work that you're doing. Thank you for what you're, uh, where you're leading us in this journey towards being unoffendable that you're taking us on. God, we pray this week and every day, Lord, that we would learn not to take the bait. Father, we also celebrate what you've done in our lives, your redemptive power, your grace, your mercy, your forgiveness. Lord, it is the reason why we're here and it is the reason why we give of our finances to you. We are happy to do it and we bless your name and thank you for all you've done for us. Lord, help us to reach more people with every dollar that is given. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said? Amen. Amen. God bless you guys. We'll see you back here next week.